Hello and welcome back to That's Friday the podcast. I hope all our listeners are having a fantastic new year so far. It's me, Molly, today, and I'm really, really excited to introduce this podcast. Um, I was lucky enough to catch up with Tony Bates about a month ago, the founder of Jigsaw, the youth and adolescent mental health service here in Ireland. This podcast is very, very relevant and it's going to help a lot of people. There's a lot of great advice, great tips um, included in there, uh, especially going through a lockdown. There's just a few things I want to say before we get into it. The first thing is cases in Ireland have really escalated recently and the situation has got slightly worse. So I just want our listeners to bear that in mind um, when listening to the podcast. Um, because we touch on coronavirus and the situation a small bit um, throughout. Also, the second thing is um, Tony and I kind of started getting into the conversation before we officially went on the podcast, if that makes sense. So, but there happened to be a lot of great um, advice and like information in our preamble. So I decided to include that in the podcast. So it might be a little bit choppy in parts because I tried to make it like as logical as possible for people. And also the last thing is we touch on Christmas and mental health because this was recorded before Christmas and obviously Christmas is over, but there is still great information um, that Tony gives throughout the podcast, even with regards to Christmas that you can like transfer over to like lockdown and things like that. So that's all I have to say. So I'll leave you at it and enjoy the podcast. Hey Molly this week and I have a very exciting guest on with me today. Um, I have Tony Bates here, founder of Jigsaw. <laughs> Thank you, Molly. It's great. It's great to be here. So what kind of inspired me to ask you, yeah. uh, despite the Jigsaw thing and everything, was I was listening to RTE, um, was it in October? And I think I was. I think it was the day I was actually moving to Galway, like dad was driving me up. And yeah. um, you were on the radio talking about like young people, the pandemic and like how like you were so on our side. And, All like, right. I, okay. I was like, I was like, it was just so nice to have someone yeah, like, yeah. like an adult or like someone like that actually was like understanding like how difficult it actually is yeah. to be a young person during a global yeah. pandemic. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm very glad that it, it kind of spoke to you because that's, <laughs> I, I was feeling very angry at the way young people were being portrayed across the media and they were particularly in Galway, they've just been seen yeah. as troublemakers, you know, um, and there was very little empathy. And I, I had been listening to Joe Duffy, and Joe is normally very neutral. He has all his people ringing in, but he, he remains neutral. But on this occasion, he went, he went for young people. He was very critical of them. And I thought, yeah. well, that's, that's not fair and not helpful. Um, so I wrote an article um, on the strength of it, literally almost listening to it. And I sent it to the editor and he put it straight up online. It didn't go in the paper yeah. even. It just went up online. I think, I think so. Yeah. But, um, and then, and then the Brendan O'Connor, because I've been, I've been, I've been doing so many different things that I just, um, I just want to get, this is my favorite audience. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. You, you are my favorite audience. So, so, <laughs> If I can talk to you, I'll talk to your peers, and that's perfect. Yeah. So, so I, this is just preamble now. You can record it, but just um, no just problem. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I'm, we can get into the meeting. Um, and uh, what? So, so again, what? What I'd love, what I asked you there was what you'd love young people to get from this, or what? 
what you're hoping for, you know, from doing this podcast, which is great work and what you're doing is great. Thank yeah. you. Um, I think what I'd like to get from it, I think, is that, like, I want young people to, like, be more, um, I suppose, give themselves a pat on the back for getting through yeah. all of this and to, like, be understood and to be recognised for what they've done because it's not, like, we are getting a lot of backlash and, like, no one has it. Like, I took a year out because my Erasmus got cancelled. So, like, yeah. I don't really have the stress of online college, but I yeah. did... I did for a couple of months in the first lockdown and like for yeah. people, especially people in final year, people doing like their last year of college, like that they have to do all of that online. And like, it's not easy, yeah. especially for people whose home lives wouldn't be that great. Or like the people who, you know, who college might be their escape from home or Absolutely. something. Yeah. Of course. And school. When I started, it was called Headstrong. And the reason we changed it to Jigsaw was because Jigsaw and Galway was such a well-known brand that if we, you see, we had Headstrong was the main organization okay. and Jigsaw was our product, if you like. Yeah. Um, and that was very confusing for people. So we had to go for one title. And, and I much preferred Headstrong. But because Galway were so well-known as Jigsaw Galway, um, it felt if we went headstrong, then they would have to change to headstrong yeah. from Jigsaw. And then everybody would think it's a different organization. And we just thought it would cause so much confusion. And we also had about nine Jigsaws around the country. So they'd all have to change. So I felt the head office should be the one to change. Yeah. And so we became Jigsaw. So it, um, uh, but uh, I, I, I can talk, you know, Galway was, was very important. If your listeners are mainly in Galway, and Jigsaw Galway, I mean, that's, that was the very first. And we, that's where we cut our teeth was in Galway. And it was um, very exciting. And we did all kinds of things to, to get it off the ground. Nobody yeah. had any idea what we were going to do. And, you know, it was completely a new idea. So there was no funding really for it uh, from government, certainly. Um, they didn't know what we were up to. Uh, so we had to raise the money and do it. And... Um, and then you know, and 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 it, it became, uh, it became really the, the kind of Cinderella of all the jigsaws. It was the yeah. one that it had the best looking building, and yeah. the people you know uh, uh, went to it. But again, that came out of Nama, and you know, I don't know, but it, it, you know, eventually HSE have taken over the rent for that. So that because uh, the rent went up, but it yeah. went down in the financial crash. But anyway, there was all this a lot of. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of learning that we got from that about young people themselves, and they were very involved all the way. So we can talk a little bit, particularly about Jigsaw in Galway, if you like, if you like. Yeah, that's perfect. I've actually been like. to Jigsaw yeah. in Galway myself. Like that was the inspiration for the article. Ah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Help well, I'm so too. glad. Um, well, yeah. I'm so glad. So you had you had your own tough times. Yeah, exactly. And like, I just think like, that's why that I saw happen most frequently was that, you know, we, we, we supported them, of course, but it was often just too little too late. You know, it was, you know, if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times, if only I'd been to see it when I was 14 or 15, uh, maybe things wouldn't have got so bad in my life. So I just said, you know, why is it that no young people have access to any kind of support that could 
sort of nip problems in the bud or, you know, could catch things before they became a major crisis, you know. Um, and, and then I, I investigated and found that, you know, the child and adolescent services were largely seeing children. They weren't seeing adolescents. And the adult services over 18 were, were only seeing adults. So there was really nothing out there for young people. Um, very little anyway. There was obviously youth yeah. clubs and that, and they were important. So I just said, you know what? I left James's and I said, I'm going to set up something for young people yeah. where they could, you know, walk in off the street for free and get the best of care. Um, and if everything isn't, if what they need is more complex than what is on offer, in, in, in Jigsaw, then they will be helped to, to access and, and locate the kind of support they need. It was a very simple idea, but it was at the time probably quite revolutionary because it just wasn't out there. Exactly, yeah. It probably yeah. gave like people, like young people, something that they've never had before. And yeah. as our listeners probably know, we did an article in our first edition of Friday on Jigsaw. So like this all kind of ties in together for like getting Tony on the podcast and being able to like connect back to like our article that we did. Like it's all about promoting like healthy mental health and like talking about our mental health um, in young people. And especially now, because we're going through when we're just over another lockdown, but like things have not been difficult for young people for the last year. Um, have you found like that there's been a rise in people using Jigsaw or Jigsaw's flat out. Uh, it, 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 first of all, about young people, it, it has been an awful time for uh, for most of the ones I know. I mean, for students, for people at school, um, it's been very difficult. What's really hard about uh, the experience of young people is that it's hidden. You know, people don't realize what young people are living through. They're very often at home in families where the, the, the normal strains of adolescence are exaggerated, um, where there are parents who are suffering distress, sometimes they've lost jobs, they're out of income, and that stress is trickling down to the young person because young people are exquisitely sensitive to what's happening around them. And so there is a lot of tension and strain, and, and yet how do you process that? Normally, young people processes with each other. That's, that's yeah. where they turn. And, and, but, and it's not a kind of a Zoom thing, it's a face-to-face -face thing. And yet they can't access that face-to-face, -face, you know, just hanging out with each other. It isn't that exactly. they talk all about their mental health all the time, it's that they hang out with each other and problems become workable just by virtue of having friends that you can hang out with. That's all got been taken away. The milestones of leaving school and moving to college, which is an immense step, that's been taken away. You know, the, 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 uh, the graduation, the Debs ball, the, 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 the J1 in the USA, all, yeah. all these kind of things that uh, are part of, you know, I look back on my life, they were, they were big milestones in my life. You know, yeah. I remember every single one of those. And... And yet they're non-existent for a great number of young people who have been caught in this COVID crisis. And, and I think that, you know, the, the other thing I, I think about young people is that every age group has um, the, an ideal environment with, within which it can kind of achieve positive mental health. Okay. Yeah. So for the child, for the infant, it, it, it's not even the family, it's just 
you know, the mother, the father. Um, it's a very small world, a very intimate world. As the child gets older, it's the family. It's, it's, it's you know, as the child moves into adolescence, it's school. But for the older adolescent, the, the environment where they are most able to grow is a peer group. And, yeah. and so, so literally adolescents are like fish out of water. They're not in the pond where they most yeah. easily grow. They're, they're, they're sitting in their room at home. And that is, um, I think, has caused a great deal of suffering. Jigsaw followed public health instructions um, stupidly, really, I think, but they did. Um, and they closed <laughs> up, you know, and they went online and they thought that would be fine. And you know what happened? For the then, from March to September, the morale of the organization just fell right down. You know, it just yeah. became awful. The workers, the therapists, everybody else just felt unhappy. And young people found it very difficult to, to, to gain support uh, on, in face-to-face -face work or in, in, on, online. Yeah. And so finally, they got a bit of sense and they decided in September, right, that's it. We're opening. We're an essential service. We're like the cashiers and the sh in, in super value. I mean, they yeah. turn up every day. Why the hell can't we? And, and we'll make sure that young people are allowed and able to access us in a safe way. So now, since they've done that, it has been, they're just, I mean, they're just inundated uh, with troubled young people who are looking to talk to someone. Exactly. I feel yeah. like that for a lot of people, lockdown kind of brought out a side, like maybe like, I, I think, I don't know, was it who I heard say this, but a lot of people who had never experienced mental health issues before experienced them during lockdown. So I feel yeah. like people who had actually already had mental health problems or had better. were better off because they knew what to do. Whereas, and they had the exactly. services. Yeah, they had the services. Um at the time that they needed the help, whereas the people now didn't because they were all yeah. closed or they were online and no one knew where to turn. You're so right, Molly. And the other thing they had that it was they had language. They had yeah. found a way to talk about their troubles and their inner lives. But people who were suddenly confronted with an emotional crisis and COVID had no way to talk about it. They didn't know how to language that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, that, that became... So it all became kind of bottled up inside them physically, all these emotions and yeah. all these tensions inside. And of course, they were all breaking out in anxiety because they had no other way to try and, you know, manage their, their own exactly. inner world. Mm. It, that's exactly it. Like, and it was just, I think for a lot of people, it's just, it's like coronavirus anxiety is probably a thing it's just like yeah. it's always there it's always in the back of your mind like oh can I do this should I do this or like is it bad if I meet my friend is it bad if I do this and I feel like a lot of young people like are trying they're really trying but at the same yeah. time I feel like sometimes you just have to see your friends do you know that kind of way and you do and, and, yeah. and you do and you say to heck with this and you yeah, go down to whatever it is <laughs> go down to and the I, arch and you yeah. have your party <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's so understandable. You're doing what is normal, and yet society doesn't get that. And society wants young people to be like grown-ups and behave yeah. rationally and um, conservatively and compliantly. Um, and that's not 
what we need young people. That's not the gift that young people bring to the world, which is risk and innovation and, and you know, breaking yeah. the rules and shaking things up. I mean, that's the gift that young people, youth brings to society. And when they do that now, they get hammered. Exactly. <laughs> it's That's so true. Yeah. But it's just, it's, yeah. it's like we're a scapegoat. It's like we're the easiest people to blame because yeah. Yeah. we're not yeah. adults. Um, yeah. but we're still like responsible so it's just like a lot of the time like I see a lot of older people not wearing masks or I see a lot of older people not following guidelines but like nothing would be said because they're adults they know what they're doing do you know what I mean it's the young people that right. get the blame. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true yeah it is, it is really it is. like and yeah. I think as well that like it's going to be a tough time for a lot of young people as well now with obviously lockdown and of course coming up to Christmas like, have yeah. you any advice for people that will say wouldn't have the dread Christmas, really, I suppose, that don't enjoy Christmas? Well, let me just say one or two things that may be helpful. Um, and I think, I think, first of all, you know, let's take the term mental health, because I think that's, that's poorly understood. Um, and mental health uh, is often taken to be, you know, you feel good, so I have good mental yeah. health. Um, I don't think mental health is about feeling good or feeling bad. Um, I think, you know, what we feel is what we feel. Um, and, and if you're in pain, you're in pain. And there's no way of denying that. that that's what we feel is what we feel at any given time. It, it, it passes, but in the moment, that's what we feel. I think mental health is knowing what you feel at any yeah. given moment. And then asking yourself, you know, what might be helpful at this moment, okay? Um, and so I think, you know, mental health is kind of a self-awareness uh, and, and, and resilience is kind of asking what is helpful. Resi First comes, you know, your feelings and, and, and how you are, and that may be painful. That's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it helps a lot when we can say it's okay because... What makes things worse is when we fight it and we say to ourselves, I shouldn't be feeling this. I'm stupid. I'm weak. All that kind of self-critical stuff we go on with doesn't help at all. When we say, look, I'm in pain. I'm having a tough time. I, I wish I wasn't, but I am. You know, and when we kind of accept it, it takes a lot of the energy out of it. Okay, So we, we, we kind of relax a little bit. And when we sit with it and when you say, I don't have to fix this. It's okay. You know, I can yeah. sit with this and let things work out a little bit, um, particularly things like grief. I mean, if you've lost friends or lost grandparents or lost people, there's no way you can kind of fix that. You've got to yeah. be with that in a, in, a, in a caring, gentle way. And then the next thing is, so life's what happens. Resilience is what comes next. And I think when we're thinking about resilience, I think, and Christmas, I think what you need to imagine is imagine yourself facing into Christmas and ask yourself, what is it that um, I'm most frightened of? You know, what is it that is, makes the whole thing feel unbearable, you know, awful. It's just, yeah. um, and when you can see that and, and, and name that, that, that's the first step, you know, because when you name things and often it helps to write them down because it gives you a little, distance from them they're not yeah. like in your head giving you a headache um they're on paper or they're on the screen the next thing then is like okay 
what's the worst thing that can happen uh, at Christmas? Okay, what's the worst scenario? Okay, and imagine the worst possible scenario that unfolds in your family at Christmas. And then ask yourself, what's the best possible scenario? And the reason we do this is because, you know, it's, it helps us. What we need is not positive thinking, but we do need flexible thinking. We need to be able yeah. to, um, to think about, to, to, to look at a problem from different points of view. So when you ask what's the best, what's the worst, it immediately loosens your mind, okay? So you start thinking. And then you can say, okay, what's the ending that I could live with? What is the, the kind of Christmas I could live with? And then it's important then to try to, to, to have a, a kind of a vision. Okay, this is how I'd like it to work out. It may not work out that way, by the way, but you need to know what it is you would like. What would be a better than expected uh, scenario for you to live with? And then when you've done that, and that's a big step, the next step and the last step really is, you know, what would help to make that better outcome happen? You know, so, so your, your sense of hope is not that you're sitting passively waiting for life to work out. You're, you're really saying, no, no, it's more active hope. It's saying, okay, how can I, what could help me to move towards making that happen? Now, I, I, I've been saying to families for some time, it's really important to have the conversation. This is going to be a different Christmas it's a chance to break all the rules because, you know, maybe you don't have all the big family together. So maybe you're freer to try yeah. different ways. But to ask people in the family, look, what would help this to work out for you? What's something you need to make Christmas bearable? Um, and, you know, everybody has a voice in that. And I think young people should have a voice and babies should have a voice and the dog should yeah. have a voice. And, the, the, you know, whoever's in at home, um, because it is an unusual situation. And if we can just even acknowledge that and think what, what's one or two things that will make it helpful and you know I think young people have an answer for that themselves it may be that they're not forced to sit at the table for like eight hours and have fun um, yeah. it may be that they're allowed to come and go it may be that you know they're allowed to get out and meet a friend um, or that you know whatever you, you, you know that 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 so I think that it's 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 about, you know, facing what your, your fear, you know, what am I afraid is going to happen? What would I like to have happen? Uh, and how can I help to make that happen? It's about going at it in a certain kind of gentle but logical way. Um, and, and, you know, knowing that none of that might happen, but at least it's possible, you know, yeah. um, uh, that you get the Christmas you can live with. <laughs> I think what you said there about having, it's about having a flexible mind, not yeah. a positive one. I think yeah, that yeah. is just, like, that's beautiful. Like, I think, like, our listeners will take so much from that because that oh, is exactly it. Yeah. It's about being open. It's about, like, just yeah. adapting to what's going on around you and trying to have some sort of a um, way of coping with things changing around you. I think that's so nice. <laughs> that's one of the the nice other things. thing that... The other thing that really ups the ante, I mean, if you yeah. can do this, you've really got it, is that, um, you know, I mean, people think about resilience as kind of bouncing back or surviving, you know, terrible things. But, you know, at some level, who wants to just survive? I mean, exactly. yeah. <laughs> who wants to survive Christmas? <laughs> but we know that if you can see things as with a growth mindset, if you can see that 
you know, if you can ask yourself, what is the opportunity for me to grow in this situation? I mean, yeah. it's crap. It's awful. Yeah. But, but, but in a way, how we grow, and we talk about, oh, we're all growing as people. The way we grow is by facing difficulties. That, that's when yeah. we grow. We, we don't grow lying on a beach in Ibiza reading Hello Magazine. That's not going <laughs> to do it. You know, it's, it's a, we, we grow facing things. Yeah. So if you say, how, if, if you can start thinking of Christmas as an opportunity to grow, to, to actually to, 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 to change in some way, you change my whole sense of myself and, and my, my map for the world. This is how you, you all have a map for the world. This is how life works. So, well, you know what? Tear up that map because you can, you can yeah. create a new map. Um, and if you see this, what is, what is one way that I could grow uh, through facing this awful challenge, which is my family at Christmas or, or no family at Christmas because that's also equally a painful yeah. challenge. Um, so, you, you know, but, but I just think it always helps if you think of it as not just gritting your teeth and surviving, but, you know, trying to achieve the best possible end, doing what you can, but also viewing it as, a, a, as an opportunity in some way to grow, you know? Exactly, exactly. I think that's very important. And I feel like our listeners will take an awful lot from that. I really do. Um, I, suppose, I suppose we're kind of going backwards now in the podcast, but if you could just talk a bit about um, your own journey, Tony, and like, how did you get to where you are and how did you adapt this mindset? Because I feel like a lot of people would find that really interesting. I know you studied psychology and I know that like, it's probably that kind of comes with the territory of that. But like, is there anything you have done to just have well, this sort of like flexible studying, mindset? Well, studying psychology was very important, but it's about 10% of the answer, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. I think the, the truth is I, I, I had... Um, I had a hard uh, early childhood. I had uh, about everything. I often used to joke to my staff that, you know, God said, well, I'm going to pick this guy. He's only just one year of age, but I'm going to, I'd like him to work with young people, you know, yeah. um, in about 50 years time. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so let's, what would be the best kind of learning experiences for him to go through? And so he set out all kinds of um, trauma for me and separation and hospitalization and fevers and uh, you know you name it and uh, I just the most awful time I was diagnosed autistic I was diagnosed you know I, I was very strange in my behaviors as a child um fire setting you know leaping around biting myself for hours on end all these kind of weird things that I did but they were all expressions of pain um, yeah. And then I went on into adolescence and had the most crazy adolescence because what happens in adolescence is a lot of the wounds that we experience in our early life surface, they open again, yeah. you know, they just open again. And, and suddenly we're, we're feeling things we don't know where they're coming from or what yeah. they are. <laughs> and I, I just felt inordinately ashamed and would never talk about things to anyone. Um, and, and particularly my friends, because I, they were, my friends were so cool. They had none of my problems. And I always <laughs> pretended I was fine too. Um, and so, if you like, I, I made all the mistakes that you can make, you know, and I suffered a lot for it. And I think that that's, you know, when I think of Jigsaw, I think of, you know, it's like I woke up as an adult and realized I, I could see that I had a tough time and not in any self-pitying way. I just just a matter yeah. of fact, you know, it was tough. And um, other people had tougher and so on. That's, that's, I'm not arguing that, but it was tough. And I, I suffered an awful lot. And I thought about all the other people 
in the world who are suffering even more so. And I thought, what did I need? And I, I needed someone I could talk to in a very simple way that wasn't like, I was sent to a psychiatrist and put me on Valium and that and did nothing else for me, you know, but um, yeah. there was nothing resolved. And the psychiatrist is a friend of my parents, so I couldn't tell him what was happening at home because I didn't want to let them down. Um, so, you know, it, it was, you know, I, I thought, what do I need? I need somewhere I can go. That people who get the struggles young people have, and um, I needed that. And Jigsaw, in a sense, for me, is putting in place what I needed when I was growing up yeah. at 17, you know. And, and, and I yeah. think, I feel like I'm in a unique position to say, like, I have been to Jigsaw, and, like, I have seen firsthand yeah. what, like, that organization can do for someone. And, like, great. you just feel so welcome, like, because obviously it's not the easiest thing to walk in. I remember <laughs> the first day I went, it was the 2nd of September in second year, so it would have been just over a year ago. And I was in a taxi going because I had no idea where it was. So I said, it'd be better to get a taxi. So they'll drop me to the door instead of trying to find it. So like that was just like taking one anxiety off the list. Like I don't need to worry yeah. about where it is. Yeah. And uh, the taxi man turned around to me and he said, um, oh, are you going in to do some volunteering? And I was like. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah. I was like. Ouch. Like oh, it took me back so much, and then I was like, no, this is a disaster. And for that reason, I wasn't going to go in. And I was like, no, Molly, you have to go in. You've this appointment booked. Just go in and see how it goes. And so I never looked back. I met the oh, most, Molly. I'm I mean, so happy. <laughs> met the most amazing girl in there, and she's just oh, I'll never forget her, Alico. Alico, yes, yes, yeah. Alico. Uh, she, she's. she's the, I mean, yeah, that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, um, you're really touching on something that is, um, is critical. You know, that, that moment yeah. when we make a choice to seek, to reach out for help, that is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. I mean, that is just yeah. as tough as it gets, okay? And I think when people can do that, and for me, from the other side of the counter, if you like, I was thinking always, how can we make it? A little bit easier and the way to do that is to have accessible main street places that don't they're not like tucked away in a hospital ground and they're yeah. attractive they're, they're, they're kind of welcoming but above all to have a staff that that every single one of them from the receptionist to the senior therapist there are trained in in how to welcome people and how and it's what makes the difference is is the respect that young people feel and the warmth they feel when they walk yeah. in the door. Um, and that's often what they don't get in, in statutory services, um, which, which can be quite impersonal, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm, I have no idea how lovely it is okay. to hear that story. Thank you. <laughs> and I think as well, since you started like speaking out about it, like I wouldn't be very, like before, like I've gone to counselling before and I would always have been very, ashamed of it I would have been like no yeah. I'm never going to tell anyone that I but since I went to Jigsaw last September I've been so open about it to everyone like I'd happily go on podcasts and talk about it and like it's since you then, are like, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing right now yeah and since then like I've had friends tell me they go to counseling I've had friends express interest in going to counseling I've given Jigsaw to Jigsaw's number to my friends and it's just 
I just I love that and I feel like it that's the sort of environment that Jigsaw provides they just think like it's just you walk in there and the room is so bright the colors are lovely there's sweets on the counter if you want a sweet you're always welcomed with a smile like you go into the rooms like the warm lighting you feel at home there's probably a candle lighting as well and it's just you feel like you can open up and like they're never going to judge you it's just the nicest atmosphere and I think if anyone is listening that like feels like they need help or like yeah. wants to talk to someone about anything. I would just recommend Jigsaw to everyone. I just really would. Uh, I, I agree. If anyone is listening and they're in pain, I would say, look, what you're feeling, there's a very good reason for what you're feeling. You're not weird. Yeah. You're not crazy. There's a very good reason for what you're feeling. And our job in, in, as counselors is to help you figure out that reason. Um, yeah, exactly. So that you go away feeling, okay, now I know. And when you know kind of why you're feeling the way you're feeling, it, it makes it all much easier to, to, to kind of carry it, you know. Um, it doesn't get you down as much. Exactly. A lot of what gets us down is feeling there's something we don't understand and we might be losing our mind or something like that. You're not losing your mind. You're coming to your senses. And, and these moments are, are really important. The first, when I set up Jigsaw, I, I surrounded myself with young people because I realized I didn't know what it was like to be a young person in 2006, and no book had ever yeah. told me that. So I wanted to hear for, from young people themselves. And one of them, Sinead, said an amazing thing. She, we had our first public meeting in June 20th, 2006, and she, this is before Jigsaw Galway was ever opened up, and that was our first Jigsaw. But she said, she said when I'm in a crisis, when I'm suicidal, I don't need to be airlifted out of it. I don't need someone to rescue me. I need someone to join with me and help yeah. me to grow through that crisis. You know? yeah. And she said that, and, and she had gone through two years. And she said, I've been through two amazing years. They were very painful, but I feel I've changed and I've grown and I, I really own that now in my life. And that's what young people need, not to be yeah. fixed and like in my case, just give a whole bunch of Valium and send them home. <laughs> That's exactly you know, it. Like it's just, and I feel like that's what Jigsaw gives. It's like, yeah. just you're bringing that young person along the way and just helping them through because it's not easy to navigate life, like at oh, such a young age. Boy. No, no way. Yeah. Like I, have Jigsaw, Jigsaw provides yeah. the handrails. There's handrails in 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 um outside Jigsaw Galway and the, and I and there's handrails going yeah. up the stairs. And I was thinking that's really what Jigsaw is. It's the handrails that you need to hold as you take the steps through what is maybe rough territory. Exactly. And I suppose, Tony, with that, had there any other advice you would give to a young person going through a bad time other than to get help? Is there anything else you could say to them that that would help them through? I think the most important thing is to trust yourself. You know, I think that to ask yourself, how am I doing? And, you know, remember, there's a very good reason for whatever chaos you feel, whatever disturbance, whatever, you know, messed upness you feel is going on in your life. There's a really good reason for that. Okay. And just trust that you're not weird. You're just, your body is reacting and it's letting you know there are things that need attention. And it's the only way it can communicate to you. It, It can't talk to you because if it did you'd end up certainly in some kind of 
asylum somewhere if you started telling the doctor yeah. <laughs> the body is talking to me. But your body is 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 talking to you in another way. It's 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 using body language. It's using it's using feelings, sensations, and it's it's they're 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 if you like pointing the way the way you need to grow in your life. This is there is no other path. They are lighting your path into life, and yeah. because they're the things that when you face those difficulties, it's how you become yourself. Don't think of you know, a bad mood or a difficult time in your life is wasted. It's, 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 it's how we become ourselves. My difficulties led, led to Jigsaw, you know. I mean, yeah. and it took me a long time. I needed to go through years of working in James's before I had the confidence and before I had the skills yeah. to set up something like Jigsaw. So it's not like it's a magic bullet, but, but I couldn't do what I did uh, without having lived through some really hard times. And so I exactly. think most of all, I'm saying to people, just trust them. It's, I really feel for you. It's not easy. It's, it's awful uh, and it's lonely. And, and I get that. Um, but, you know, uh, above all, be there for yourself, you know. And then I think, you know, that will settle things a little bit. And then you reach for support, you know, wherever yeah. you can find it. It doesn't have to be jigsaw. It could be you know, it could be a sports coach, it could be an auntie, it could be a grandparent, it could be a teacher, um, you know, the, we could be a peer, but but just, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved, and, and that's what you need to remember. Um, the person you share it with doesn't have the magic solution, yeah. but when you talk about it, and you hear yourself talking about it, you suddenly begin to see your own solutions, you know, and they, they might help, they give you that flexible thinking. They, they help you to look at things from different points of view, but you eventually will be the person who will see what you need to do and exactly. with the support you, you'll do it. And it's, it's your life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tony, I think our listeners will take so, so much from this podcast. I really oh, feel like you, there's Molly. a lot of great information out there and I just feel like a very uplifting podcast so there's hope always i think well it's i like feel very week. honored i feel very <laughs> honored to be here today and to be talking to you and I, I i love the work you're doing and i i really wish you the very best with it and i i i, I just feel great uh, compassion for all the young people whose lives you you touch uh, with through your magazine and through your podcasts and i i wish each of them well thank you okay. so so much tony so that's it We'll be back next week with another great podcast. So make sure you follow us on Instagram so that you can see updates on that. Bye.